Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And we have some fun things to talk about today. First of all, the full schedule will be coming out tonight. The wait is finally over. We know that that is always such a fun moment for everybody to look ahead and start speculating about the matchups or making plans to go on certain road trips. And of course, it determines our lives for <laughs> months yeah. on end. We get very excited to find out the whole thing. So make sure you're tuned in to Buccaneers.com for the schedule release later on. I know they have a fun video for it. And uh, so for now, though, we at least a couple of them have already been released. They try to release a couple things they're ahead of time. Us, they're giving us little, little breadcrumbs. Yes, little crumbs. So uh, one of them that we have found out is the Buccaneers versus the Chiefs. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on finding out about that matchup, when it's happening, and what you think that could end up meaning for this season. Well, it's week four. It's Sunday night. Um, which I think has become like the best showcase of all the primetime games. And uh, so that's NBC. It'd be an 820 kickoff on September, no, October 2nd. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously you could have guessed all along that when you looked at the Bucks schedule, they, even though it's packed with uh, playoff teams from last year and marquee matchups, what's better than the rematch of Super Bowl 55, the rematch of Brady versus Mahomes for the sixth time. Um, it's, it's just, it's a game you knew they were going to give a major spotlight to, so it's no surprise. But it's, it's cool to find out exactly when. Yeah, and I kind of like that it's earlier in the season. I think that that will be something that could be a, a big tone setter, you know, that if you get that win, that makes yeah. you feel really good. Primetime spot in that first quarter of the season, I think that's going to be a, a really big deal. So Yeah, and then, you know, we were talking about Brady versus Mahomes. Every time these guys meet, and who knows how many of them there are left, because yeah. who knows how much longer Tom Brady's going to play. But every meeting is just a huge story. Patrick Mahomes has actually done quite well uh, against Brady, you know, which is hard to do. They, yeah. But Brady has the upper hand in the wins, and especially to see their postseason wins. Both times they've met in the postseason, including Super Bowl 55, Tom Brady's teams have won. Some of these games were with the Patriots, but mm -hmm. the last two have been with the Buccaneers. And, and just basically, they both have put up really, really good numbers, so they, they tend to put on a show. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. And so we talked about the fact that <laughs> The schedule is coming out tonight, but we also figured we could talk about the off-season schedule and what is coming mm -hmm. ahead for the Buccaneers. Right. Where are they at in the off-season program at this point and the things that are coming in the next month or so? What they're doing right now is they're finishing up phase two. And in phase two, the coaches can go out on the field with the players, but they really have to stay. Like, you can't do offense versus defense. So they're basically working on laying the groundwork. You know, if you're working with receivers, young receivers that are new or still fairly new, uh, you know, working on alignment and, and their routes and their footwork and DBs working on footwork and how they turn their hips and things like that. That's the kind of thing you're working on now. Coming up uh, after, uh, well, first thing we got is rookie minicamp. That's this weekend. And that involves all your draft picks plus about Plus, there'll be some number of 12 or 13 undrafted free agents that we'll officially announce probably today. And then you'll bring in about 30 guys that'll, that'll work on tryout contracts. So you'll have enough for a full minicamp, but it's just rookies, mm -hmm. a couple first-year players usually. And then after that, you see the Buccaneers roll into phase three, which is when you get to do the OT, OTAs, which is off-season training. I can't remember what the A stands for, but anyway. We said OTAs. Activities? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> okay. Um, any organized team activity. There we go. That's I was sitting there going, wait a minute. I don't think the word off-season's in there, but it should be. It should be. Anyway, we've said OTAs for so long, I start <laughs> yeah. to lose the meaning of yeah. it. But organized team activity days, which are a lot more like real practices. You get to have up to 10 of them. We're going to do 10 over the course of three weeks. Then, then you can start doing the drills you, you, you recognize, like seven on seven, nine on seven, a full team. You still can't wear pads, have contact. 
on purpose. Um, but it's a lot more like a real practice. And then finally, the whole thing wraps up with a mandatory minicamp. Now, everything above that, all those OTAs are, are voluntary. Mm -hmm. And uh, But that June 7th to 9th is the only three days of the off-season program that are mandatory. So we should have the whole team there. And then after that, players and coaches are off until training camp. It's, it's the best crazy. time of the year for them. It is. That is their favorite <coughs> time of the year. Okay, and I know something else we'd wanted to talk about, of course, everyone still is wondering about Gronk. Is he going to sign? Is he going to come back? Is he going to retire? All the questions. And then, of course, when the Buccaneers went through the draft, they drafted two tight ends. And everybody said, oh, does this mean he's not coming back? What could this look like? What could this mean? So let's talk a little bit more about that, of how this team likes to use tight ends. Do you see that draft affecting whether or not Gronk comes back or they want him back? And if he did come back, how could this look with all of them? Yeah, it was funny when um, Byron Leftwich was at the podium on Tuesday, he was asked a question along the lines of, you know, so about Gronk coming back, about Gronk not coming back. And he's like, well, I don't really want to think about Gronk not coming back. So <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> I think we all have the feeling, and, and we could be wrong, but we all have the feeling that at some point he'll choose to return and play one at least one more season with Tom Brady. Um, I think it would be a different story if Tom Brady hadn't right. come back. So um, that I think the Buccaneers drafted two tight ends. Uh, regardless of whether or not Gronk was going to come back. I think they would have done that. Um, without Gronkowski uh, and even with him, you don't have a lot of guys that can play that Y inline tight end where the first thing they do above all else is they're good blockers. And both the guys we've drafted, Cade Otten and, and Kokeft, are good blockers. Now, Cade probably has a little bit more ability to um, uh, help in the passing game. Mm -hmm. um, but what those guys will give you... <clears throat> depending on if they both make the team or whatever, what they'll give you if Gronk comes back is a, is a much better uh, personnel for 12 personnel, which is when you put two, two tight ends and two receivers on, on the field. And if you look at this here, in 2020, uh, we ran about 20.4% of our plays in 12 personnel, and the success rate was very good, and the yards per play was very good. Just You don't have anything to compare with here, but those numbers were better than when we were in 11 personnel, which is what we do more than 50% mm -hmm. of the time. Last year, you see they, they kind of went down in those categories, and mainly the reason why was Gronkowski missed like five or six games. Right. And, and right in the middle of the season. And, in fact, if you look at the chart, you can see the 12 personnel usage just dips dramatically during that time and then came back up when he came back. And then if you look there at the bottom with Gronkowski back in the postseason, nearly 30% of our snaps we did in 12 personnel. So clearly our coaches, and, and we still I know it's a new head coach, we still have the same offensive coordinator and most of the same coaches, mm -hmm. they do want to use this 12 personnel and drafting these two guys, especially when and if Gronk comes back, will make that a lot easier. Absolutely. All right, we're going to get into some of our Facebook questions. Uh, again, if you want to leave one of those for us, you can do it in the comment section underneath our live video. Uh, Mark had asked, so do you think we are bringing Sue back or is there a chance of bringing in a veteran D lineman. So let's kind of look at the Sue part, another veteran D lineman, or do you think where the D line stands that it's okay? Uh, okay. Um, one at a time there. I think every week we go that Indominus Sue doesn't return makes it seem less likely that's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. now, now we're after the draft and they had to make decisions in the draft based on the, the likelihood that you, based on the fact that you can't assume that he'll be back. So right. uh, earlier in the offseason, because we get this question pretty much every week, mm -hmm. I was saying I think it comes down to what does he want to do because this is the fourth year in a row where he's basically waded into the free agency and decided after some contemplation on it whether or not he wanted to come back. The other three years he did. Right. Uh, who knows? He may want to move on to other things now. So I don't think you can assume that he'll be back at this point. But I do think there is room for the Buccaneers to add a veteran at that position 
Because if you look at it, they drafted Logan Hall, and with with Indomitian Sue out of the picture, if he is, that opens up a really big role for Logan Hall. He's probably starting along with Vita Vea and Will Golston, assuming you know he's not going to be given it, but he'll have to earn it. But he probably is the guy you'd expect to start there, and that's a lot to put on a rookie, right? Mm-hmm. You'd like to have some other options. Steve McClendon hasn't resigned either, so um, if you look at it behind those three. You have your, your main backup is Nacho, or King mm-hmm. Nunez Roches, but he's really more of a backup nose tackle. Right. Really he's more redundant with Vita than, the, than Logan. Right. So now you're talking about Patrick O'Connor, mm-hmm. Kobe Smith, Benning Patoae, mm-hmm. guys like that, which, hey, maybe one of them will emerge, but I don't think you can count on it. Right. right? So it, it wouldn't shock me if they added another player at that position. Okay. <coughs> uh, Francisco had asked, uh, how do you guys feel about Trask? And... Um, I think we we did get a chance to hear yeah. um, about that from Clyde Christensen yeah. this week. And that really, I guess I this will change my answer on this because this is another question we've gotten a lot, right? Mm-hmm. My feeling was when Brady briefly retired and the Bucks, Bruce Arians and Jason Light were questioning on what they were going to do, they always said they were going to try every avenue to try to see what's best. But one of the things they did say was, yes, Kyle Trask would get an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Mm-hmm. So to me, that said, even if Blaine Gabbard is back, which he eventually did resign, Trask gets to compete for the starting job. Well, if Brady returns, doesn't that also mean that Trask gets to compete for the number two? Right. Well, Clyde made it pretty clear that's probably not going to happen. Right. That the plan, that they'd still like Kyle Trask quite a bit, and they think mm-hmm. he's progressing nicely. But with Brady back now, and you're back in full win-now, all-in mode, if for some reason he wasn't available, they really prefer to have the veteran who they're confident in, who they've used before in their offense, as the next guy. So Kyle probably is going to continue to be the three and continue to learn. Okay. Um, our next one was Richard asked, uh, where is our salary cap at now? Well, we cleared up some space a few, uh, with a few moves. So I think we're at about 13 million, but uh, some of that, a good chunk of that is going to have to go to signing the draft picks. Okay. Um, and we also had, let me see where our questions are here. Um, we had a couple questions about the schedule in terms of, we still of course don't know the times, weeks, that'll be announced tonight, but we do know who they're playing. Looking at just based on that before we know the times, the days, all of that, the strength of the schedule, the difficulty of it, yeah. what are you thinking compared to previous years or, or the league at large? This schedule is, I mean, it's fun. It's it's exciting. I don't think we've ever had one this jam-packed with incredible marquee games, but mm-hmm. it's also very challenging. They're, by strength of schedule, which is how the, the NFL determines um, you know, who has the toughest schedule. And strength of schedule is the combined winnings percentage of your opponents this year from last season. And the Buccaneers is around 538 or something. It's the fourth hardest by that measurement. Mm-hmm. The Rams, though, have the toughest one. And But the, the way I look at it is we have eight games against playoff teams from last year. That tells you a lot right there. That doesn't even include Baltimore, New Orleans, Cleveland. All those teams were in the playoffs in 2020, but didn't make the playoffs last year. But I don't know to me, they sure feel like playoff mm-hmm. contenders. I yeah. mean, look at Baltimore. They were 8-3 and three last year. Yep. Then Lamar and a bunch of guys got hurt, and they lost their last six games, and five of them by three or fewer points, three of them by one point. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's a playoff caliber team that just didn't happen to make it last year right. due to circumstances. So I think we have 11 to 12 games against 
playoff caliber teams. Yeah, that's, that's gonna a be tough incredible. schedule. That is a tough schedule. But you know, you got to beat the best to be the best. Exactly, right? that's true. And I'm sure everybody else is looking at us as one of those exactly. tough games on the schedule yeah. too. So that seems fair. All right, well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Again, stay tuned tonight for the schedule release. We're also going to have a reaction video up after it. So if you want to hear our full thoughts once we know all those dates and times for all those games, make sure you stay tuned to Buccaneers.com and we'll see you then. Thank you.